The following sermon was preached at Redeemer Church in Tumball, Texas. For more information, go to makingmuchofjesus.org. It's good to be with you, and today I want us to look at a, a vital component of, of our church, and, and really not just our church, but every church. Every church that wants to be faithful to Jesus. And I, I think it's a not just about every local church that wants to be faithful to Jesus. I think it's vital to Christianity, to the continuation of Christianity itself. In fact, guys, this church right now, this church would not exist if it weren't for what we're going to be looking at today. And really, no church outside of Jerusalem would even exist if it were were not for what we're going to be looking at today. And today we're going to be looking at the mission of the gospel the supernatural activity of Jesus building his church through the work of church planting. So please, in your Bibles, Matthew 16, beginning in verse 13. It's the very first book in the New Testament. And as we read these words, it's good to be reminded every single week that they come to us in the same power and authority as King Jesus himself speaking right to us speaking right at us. And as we hear these words, we are hearing his voice. And so in honor of Christ, I think it's important for us to stand together and let's read what the Holy Spirit shows us beginning in Matthew 16, verse 13. And here's what the Spirit says. Now, when Jesus came into the district of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say that the Son of Man is? And they said, you know, some say John the Baptist Others say Elijah, others say Jeremiah or one of the prophets. So he said to them, but who do you say that I am? Simon Peter replied, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus answered him, blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my father who is in heaven. And I tell you, you are Peter and on this rock, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, now, would you send the spirit as we are submitting ourselves to your word? Would you open our eyes? Would you incline our hearts? Would you give us ears to hear what it is that your spirit is saying to your church? Jesus, we want to honor you want to glorify God now. So won't you visit us? Visit us now. And it's in the mighty name of Jesus that we pray. Amen. You may be seated. Since becoming a parent, it's really incredible how much your perspective changes. It's amazing how much we do for our kids, and yet they're so ungrateful. And they have no idea. My daughter's shaking her head. No, I'm very grateful. You're very sweet. It's amazing how much we do for our kids. And the kids can't really grasp it all. I mean, think about all the work you do, the sleepless nights for these babies, the groceries. My gosh, the groceries alone, the laundry. I mean, I remember thinking as a kid that you're just clothes, they're just kind of there. Your clothes just show up all of a sudden. But now as an adult and the family, you realize my wife puts in whole days of putting clothes away. And I I don't help, but it's it's all her. She's told me, you're not allowed to help. You don't fold them right. You're messing them up. We have maximum folding capacity in these drawers. So I'm out. Freebie. Woo. 
But I say, thank you. Like, thank you so much for doing this for our family. As a kid, you just think they're there. As an adult, you realize a lot goes into the whole household of everything happening. And as Christians, we don't hold to the Big Bang theory of creation, that it all just happened, that everything's just here all of a sudden. We know that God created all things with the words of his mouth. But yet, I think we often hold to the Big Bang theory when we think of churches, that they just kind of happen. Churches are just kind of here. They just kind of pop up. Any church you pass on the way here, that's just always been there. I just thought, you know, churches just kind of show up. No, every church you've ever seen, every church you've ever walked into, every church you've ever been a part of, it was planted. It was launched. It was started. Men and women served and sacrificed and gave and they prayed and they evangelized and, and preached and they would teach all for the glory of Jesus. And if we're going to be faithful to the mission of Jesus, to the making much of Jesus and the making of disciples, our passion will not be limited just to our church. If we're serious about the fame of Jesus, our passion cannot be limited just to our church, but to many churches being planted. Our passion cannot just be limited to our ideas or our ministries or our budgets or our dreams or our plans, but to the kingdom of Christ. And I'm way convinced that our cosmic king, risen from the grave, sitting at the Father's right hand, given the name above every name, Jesus of Nazareth, he is inviting us and wants all of us to do more than plant one church. He wants this church to be a part of planting many churches. He wants every church to be a part of planting many churches. He wants to build his church. And he's invited. He's invited you and demanded. He's invited us and is demanding us to be a part of it. And what an honor to be a part of the mission of Jesus. He doesn't need us. You ever realize that? Like we're so weak, so frail, so incompetent. We're so confused. We know so little. And Jesus says, I want you. I'm I'm inviting you to join me in the building of my church. Jesus was stapled to a tree Blood poured out, paying for sins, and he's buying his church, and he's saying, I want to build it. Look at verse 18. What does Jesus say he's going to do? Look at verse 18. And I tell you, you are Peter, and on this rock, I will build my church. Now, a lot of times when we read this, you're Peter on this rock. We get really, especially if, if you have a Roman Catholic background or you have a very staunch Protestant background, you get weirded out by that verse. Like, oh no, it was Peter the first pope. That, that's not what Jesus is teaching at all. That's not what he's saying. All he's saying is, Peter, you're right. And you're, I'm changing your name to mean rock. And on you and the rest of the 11, I'm building my church. And we see that exactly in Ephesians 2, where Paul says, the church is built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets, with Jesus himself being the chief cornerstone. Our, our faith, your faith, if you have faith in Jesus, you are built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets. Your faith is tethered and tied inseparably back to Paul, Peter, James, John, Isaiah, Jeremiah, Moses. And what does Jesus say he's going to do with all of this? I will build my church. So why plant churches? Because Jesus is gonna do it. Church planting is Jesus's mission. Jesus is all in. And we know that because of his cross and his resurrection and our place, he is way committed to his church and he's going to build it. But how? How is Jesus going to build his church? What, is, what means does the Lord use to build his church? We think of the book of Acts, preaching, evangelism, 
conversions, the power of the Spirit, prayer. We see this throughout the entire book of Acts. I mean, what do we really see? Jesus builds his church through the work of church planting. I think this is what Jesus has in mind the entire time. Rewind all the way back to Genesis. God calls this man out of the land of Ur. He's worshiping the moon, Abraham, and tells him, Abram, look at the sky. Try to count the stars if you can. That's how many your offspring will be. As many as the sands on the seashore. When God told Abraham that, you were one of the stars he had in mind. You were one of the granules of sand that was on God's heart. Because he's pointing Abram to look at the church of Christ, the living God. This is his sheep. This is the church of Jesus Christ that he's saying, here is my offspring. And that is how many Father Abraham will have many sons. And many sons will have Father Abraham. And I'm one of them and so are you. So let's all praise the Lord. I mean, this is simple theology that we teach kids. And then fast forward to the church. Acts. The church is the display of the glory of God. Listen to what Paul says in Ephesians 3. It'll be up here on the screen. To me, though I am very least of all the saints, this grace was given to me to what? To preach to the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ and to bring to light for everyone what is the plan for the mystery hidden for ages in God who created all things. Now why? Verse 10. So that through the church... See the contrast? Paul says, I've been given the ability to preach the gospel. I'm going to preach about Christ. And yet it is through the church that the manifold wisdom of God might be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. So Paul, and all you think about his whole ministry, yes, I'm preaching, I'm evangelizing, but it is through the church that the glory of God is made known. And I love what the prophet Habakkuk says, Habakkuk 2.14. For the earth will be filled, there's this prophecy, with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. So there you have, you have Abram, look at the stars, think about the sand, Habakkuk, look at the waters. And what I love about this verse, this prophecy of Habakkuk 2.14, church planting is a step in this direction. For the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord. And it's through the church the manifold wisdom of God is made known. So planting new churches and new communities and new cities, and new counties, and new states, and new countries. This isn't about just fulfilling a church planting network's quota. This isn't just about fulfilling one church's idea to plant churches. Planting new churches is about fulfilling prophecy. But the knowledge of the glory of God would fill the earth every time a church is planted. We're taking one more step further in the direction of the earth being filled with the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. So why train Richard Hutto and send him out with his family to launch King's Church in Conroe this year? The glory of God. The fame of Jesus Christ. Because Jesus said, I will build my church and hell doesn't have a shot at stopping it. So when Jesus said, I will build my church, we have to understand that he doesn't mean I want to build a single solitary megachurch in Jerusalem. We know that's not true because we're not in Jerusalem. We're here. So Jesus' vision is not this one giant church in Jerusalem, but the knowledge of the glory of God, the manifold wisdom of God being made known through all places, through churches spread all over this world. The church from day one has been hardwired to be a church planting church, a church multiplying movement since the first century. 
The fact that you and I know who Jesus is is because of church planting. The fact that you know his name, the sheer reality that you know that the tomb is empty, that the cross was bloody, and that forgiveness is found only by grace through faith in Jesus Christ is because the apostles took the Great Commission seriously. That's why you know him. You know him because the, the churches, the apostles planted, took the Great Commission seriously. And the churches that were planted by those churches took the Great Commission seriously. And the churches that were planted by those churches that were planted by those churches that were planted by the apostles took the Great Commission seriously. And eventually it spreads across through Israel, it spreads across through Roman Empire, gets over to Italy, gets over to Spain, gets over to England. Some people in England get really upset, hop on a boat and come over. They land in New England. It begins to grow and spread spread further south, and then Mexico and France have this little thing going on with Tejas, and then here we are. Because all along the line, people said, we're taking the Great Commission seriously. We're taking the gospel seriously. We're planting churches after churches after churches. And one of the great questions facing the evangelical church today is, will we take the Great Commission seriously? Will we in the 21st century take it seriously? Will churches surrender the satanic idea of tribalism and this is our area, this is our community, or will we labor together to see churches planted? If this is the way that Jesus is always spreading his fame, spreading his name for the planting of churches, will we join the Lord in his work to see his name spread across this globe or will we focus on ourselves and our goals and our names? This is the temptation of every church, and especially a church like ours in the suburbs. I know it seems simplistic and so unoriginal what I'm about to say, but there's so much safety there. Redeemer Church, we must take Matthew 28 seriously as our marching orders. This is essential Christianity. This is what the church is supposed to do. We have not been charged with running a great service. We have not been commissioned to make sure we have the coolest children's ministry in Tomball. What we have been charged with is making disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to observe all that he's commanded us. So look with me at Matthew 28. Why church planting? It's Jesus' mission. And secondly, why, church, why plant churches? Church planting exists because worship does. Look at Matthew 28. After Jesus rose from the dead, his brain stem kicks back on, his lungs begin to inflate again, he walks out of the tomb, he meets his disciples, and he teaches them again. Matthew 28, it's also up on the screen. Now, the 11 disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them, and when they saw him, they worshiped him. It's amazing. They saw him and they worshiped him. But some doubted. That's, that's amazing too. They just saw their friend die. They saw him rise again from the dead. And some of them are going, ooh, I'm really struggling with this still. But Jesus doesn't even address it. He's so patient with them. He's so patient with us. He just keeps going. And Jesus comes to them and says, all authority, all, all, all authority and heaven on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you, and behold, I am with you always till the end of the age. Oh, how amazing. This is our command. This is our marching orders. But think about it. What are the disciples doing right before Jesus goes back to heaven to be at the Father's right hand? What precedes Jesus giving them this mission? Worship. 
They're worshiping him. And now Jesus says, go. Worship, making much of him, making much of Christ. We as born again, blood covered people, our worship of Jesus precedes our doing for Jesus. We worship him and he sends us out. Our love for Jesus, our making much of Jesus, that will always be the only true catalyst of being on mission for Jesus. Remember the passage we read earlier, the who do you say that I am one? What did Peter say? He gave a worshipful response. You are the Christ, the son of the living God. You're the Old Testament Messiah. You are the divine son of God. That is who you are, Jesus. Peter's doing theology and it's doxology, it's worship. It's doxological, it's worship, it's theological too, and then it leads right into missiology, right into mission. Jesus says, you're right, and I will build my church. Worship precedes mission. Worship of Jesus, then the mission of Jesus. And any time these gets off kilter, if mission's not happening, it might be because our worship of Jesus is not really happening. Because our theology of Jesus is wrong. We're not thinking of him rightly. Our answer to who do you say that I am is incorrect. But it's only when theology of Christ and worship of Christ, when those two meet, there is an explosion of mission for Christ. And that's the planting of churches. And according to the all-authoritative king of the universe, Jesus Christ, what's the mission? Make disciples of all nations. Baptize them. Bring them into the community. Welcome them in and teach them to obey all that I've taught. This is the church. This is what we're ultimately called to do. And is not this the life and rhythm of every local church? What's a group of disciples? The church. Baptism, the early church knew that was a sign of bringing people into the community and teaching. It happens in the church. Christians teaching one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Letting the word of Christ, the Lord of Christ, Christ dwell in them richly that it may admonish one another. This is the ministry of the church. And think about when you've led someone to Christ, if you've ever had the awesome privilege of doing that. And if not, I I pray that you will. What happens when they repent and they believe and they confess their Lord and Savior? Look at Brett Gill. He's he's here. I saw him somewhere. I don't know if it's first service or second. There he is. Brett and I, years ago, met at CC's. And he says, I want to become a Christian. I was like, well, awesome. Here we go. Now, at the end, he... He confesses, he repents, and he believes Jesus is the Lord. Here's what I didn't do. Okay, well, good luck. See you later. And no. So you evangelize. What's the next step? Hey, you're going to become a part of the church. He, they were already kind of being a part. They're on the sides. Now, now no, we're going to bring you in all the way. We're going to disciple you. We're going to teach you how to obey Jesus, how to follow Jesus. Now he's a deacon at our church. This is making disciples. And so when you lead someone to Christ, when you lead someone to Jesus, you see him repent and believe, you bring him into the church, you teach him, you show him how to follow Jesus. The Great Commission isn't just about evangelism. It's about seeing churches planted. Disciples don't just, you know, bob around the world. They're in churches. And when the gospel runs red hot in people, evangelism and sacrifice and church planting, that is the overflow a desire to see more disciples made, to see more people make much of Jesus. Church planting exists because worship does. Worship drives our desire to plant more churches. Church planting is no less doxological than it is a missological action. Worship and mission go hand in hand. And actually, guys, I think church planting is an essential summary played out of Christianity. 
is the playing out of just basic Christianity. So you plant new churches. We plant a church in Conroe where Jesus is the focus, where it's all about making much of him. That is an act of love to God. It is a love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. It is an act of love to Jesus to make much of him. That's church planting. That's the great commandment. What did Jesus say after that? Yeah, love the Lord your God with your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. Church planting is an act of love for our neighbors. That's a driver for a mission. Church planting is an act of love. It's a love for God and a love for neighbor. I mean, think about the love your neighbor as yourself. If you're, if you're a part of this church, think about it. I, I hope and I, I am grateful to be a part of a church that's committed to the gospel, that's seeking to be a gospel-centered community, one that's all about Jesus where people are honestly trying to love one another according to the scriptures. So if you love that and you love your neighbor, you're supposed to love your neighbor as yourself. You should want that for your neighbor. It would be unloving to not want to plant churches. It would be an unloving action to our neighbors to not want to see more churches planted. It would be unloving to Conroe to say, no, we're, we're, we're all staying here. We love our neighbors in England, so let's help plant churches. We love our neighbors in Cyprus, let's help plant churches. We want them to love what we love. We want them to experience what we've experienced. We want the same grace of God that we have felt in Christ for them to feel and to experience as well. We plant churches because we love Jesus, because we love our neighbors. We want people to hear about his grace. The most amazing news in the universe that you can be forgiven 100%, non-condemnable for the rest of your life because of Christ. His cross and his love. The best way to help our neighbors is with a biblical church, a church whose fuel is the spirit of the risen Christ and the grace of God. The best way to help cities and states and nations and the ends of the earth is through the planting of Jesus exalting churches. As you see in Acts 16, you can look at Acts 16 or you can just look up on the screen. Look at what happens in Acts chapter 16. A vision appears to Paul. In the night, and a man of Macedonia was standing there urging him, saying, here's the whole vision. Come over to Macedonia and help us. Help us. So when Paul had seen the vision, what does he conclude? Immediately, we sought to go into Macedonia. Why? Concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. So here's the vision. Come help us. What does Paul say? Okay. We gotta go help Macedonia. That's pretty clear. How are we going to do it? He didn't say how to do it. Here's how we're going to do it. Isn't it interesting that the apostles never started a Christian coffee shop? The name's there, Hebrews. They've got it. It's done. You could justify it biblically if you were crazy enough. They never launched a Christian greeting card hub. They never launched a line of overpriced glue-sewn shoes to help the needy. Now, none of those things are bad, but they can become bad when that is seen the primary means of how to help people. The primary means of the church, the gospel priority of the church is the planting of churches, not any of the other periphery, peripheral kind of things. So how does Paul answer the call to help? What does he say? Concluding God has called us to preach the gospel to them. So what unfolds now in the rest of Acts 16 is the planting of the church at Philippi. Paul walks in, they go meet some people, and then Lydia, she comes to Christ. She's a high-powered businesswoman. She comes to faith in Jesus. 
After that, Paul's walking. He meets this demon-possessed slave girl, casts the demon out. She comes to Christ. And then after that, just like Paul always does, he gets thrown in jail. And then the jailer and his family come to Christ. This is his launch team. Richard, that's what you're looking for. Successful businesswoman, demon-possessed girl, and a jailer. You have a police officer already, so you kinda, you're already there. This, this is the way churches are planted. Every sacrifice that Paul endured, every suffering, every beating, every cent he spent, every mile he tra- traveled, every evangelistic encounter, every sermon, every meeting, Paul says in 1 Corinthians, I did it all for the sake of the gospel. I did it all for the sake of the gospel, but, but that by any means necessary, I may win some. The chief need of every city is the gospel of Jesus echoing from a planted church. For us to exhaust ourselves, to pour ourselves out, to see more churches planted, to see the news of God forgiving sinners. I mean, I, I just hope we never get blown away by that, that God in heaven is saying, you guys are all sinners, every single one of you, but yet I will forgive you. I will offer you complete forgiveness and freedom in my son. It's yours if you will receive it. This is just amazing. So let's have that knowledge fill the earth as the waters cover the seas. How did Paul help Corinth? Planted a church. How did Paul help the city of Thessalonica? He planted a church. How did Paul help Ephesus? Did he mix it up and start a a workout gym with a crucifixion theme? No. He planted a church again and again and again. Guys, planting churches, planting the gospel. And when we say plant churches, we don't just mean launch services. That's a lot. You might be hearing that. Okay, we're going to plant a church, we're going to launch a service. That's, that's not planting churches. That's planting services. Anybody can plant a service. Just get a good band, get a somewhat handsome guy to teach, get some fog, and people show up. That's just our area. Anybody anybody can do that. That's not supernatural. The rockets can gather a crowd. That's not supernatural. Crowds are not supernatural. The planting of gospel-centered churches is when they are filled with gospel-centered, Jesus-loving people who live as these grace-leaking, grace-dispensing people who live as missional monsters in their workplaces and neighborhoods, who shine as lights in the darkness, who, who invite the dead to come alive in Jesus and to dwell on the kingdom of God, that that is the hope of every city, every community, every suburb, every nation. Our cities don't need more services. They need the missional going of Christians. They need you on mission. They need you making disciples. They need you witnessing and me witnessing. That's church planting. What you have in Christ you as a Christian, you should never think a little of yourself in one sense. Yes, decrease so that he may increase. But there's another sense in which we, we think a little of ourselves to shame ourselves. We should never do that. You are filled with the Holy Spirit of Christ. You have resurrection power alive in you. You have the power of God, the gospel, the power of God that makes demons shudder that sets captives free, that can save a thief on the cross on his literal deathbed, that can comfort a prostitute, that can redeem a drunk, that can set free a religious hypocrite, and that can restore a pill-popping soccer mom, that can save a CEO from working for the things that moth and rust will destroy. This is the power of the gospel. And you have it in that word, in that name, and the person of Jesus. And this is the number one missional strategy of the New Testament. Nothing has changed from Acts 28. 
And God is calling us to this. Jesus is inviting us to join his work. Every member of this church, you, you can be a part of planting churches. Think with me for a second about the book of Romans, okay? Book of Romans. Paul's writing to a group of Christians, number one. Secondly, he's writing to a group of Christians he's never met. He's never been to Rome. So there's a church in Rome before Paul gets there. So I'm not, I don't have like a PhD in logic or anything, but I think I'm going to go ahead and say Paul didn't plant the church in Rome. Never met him, never been. He says in Romans, I can't wait to finally come and see you. I've been hindered, never been able to come see you. I want to come and see you. So who planted that church? I think one of the most often overlooked aspects of church planting and the scriptures and just in today is that people really don't plant churches. We know the spirit does and churches plant churches. Look at this picture. Just say churches plant churches. Here's about how many churches were planted in the first century. First century, sorry for the non-amazingness of the graphic. It's literally a picture from my iPhone onto out of my church history book. This is the best we're going to get. First century churches spread out from Jerusalem through Asia Minor and Greece to Rome. So a lot of disciples and a few other guys that planted these. Now look at the second century. A little more. First, second, you see a lot more in Israel, a lot more happening there around Turkey. I mean, you, you, got, you got some things kind of beginning to happen. You have some more in Rome. You have there at the tip of Africa. And now look at the third century. Chickenpox. Churches are everywhere now. They're, they're exploding. This happened because churches planted churches. The mission spread. They took the Great Commission seriously. Church history talks about how, how did it happen so quickly when Rome tried to stop Christians? How did it happen? They, 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 church historians wrote, we're everywhere. We're in your marketplaces. We're in your businesses. We're in your communities. And we bring the gospel with us wherever we go. Guys just on business, traveling from city to city, bringing the gospel wherever they go. Normal, ordinary people doing supernatural things. Paul didn't plan all these. Churches, other Christians planted all these. You, people like you. Because they knew Jesus is alive. And if Jesus is alive, this changes everything. It changes our priorities. Ordinary people walking in the supernatural power of Christ. This is us, and we can do this in Christ. So here we are in the 21st century. A win for Redeemer Church. A mark of faithfulness to the gospel isn't that we are a stable church. So a lot of people think, okay, let's just get our church stable. Let's just become, you know, let's be safe. That, that is not our goal. That's not a gospel, it's not a mark of gospel faithfulness. A true win for our church is that when we are a church planting church. And not even a church planted church. Okay, we did one. Woo! Done. No, no, no. Entire life. A church planting church. A part of the Great Commission. This is why we're part of the Acts 29 Church Planting Network. Right now in Acts 29, there are over 600 churches on six continents. It's amazing to me. We have a truly global, diverse church planting network all across the mainland, the USA. And we have guys in Alaska and, and Hawaii. There's actually a guy suffering for Jesus in Hawaii, planting churches. <laughs> we have guys in Canada, Brazil, Guatemala, the first ever church planting conference, I think in history, to happen in Guatemala. Happened 
earlier this year. Uganda, England, France, India, where 15,000 people are coming to Christ every single day. You know, as Americans, we can get very insular, and we think, like, when the Bible talks about certain kinds of people, like, we think it's talking about us. Like, when it says Gentiles, we think it means everyone else except white people. Like, no, we're the Gentiles, too. It's the Jews and the Gentiles. We're not like the special chosen people of, of God according to these Old Testament standards. That was the Jews. Now, it's the church, whole, whole nation, everybody, all races, welcome now into the church of the living God. So we're at this global, diverse network from India. Now I'm hearing there's, there's even a guy on the ground in Iraq, Australia. Right now, just in Acts 29 churches, there are 605 men being trained to be sent out to plant churches in this next year. 605 more. And Richard's one of them. And pull together all of our exponent churches. If we pull together all of our monies that were going to be put towards church planting in 2014, it's $24.6 million that all of our churches are bringing together for the Great Commission to plant churches. Churches plant churches. Even when we look at Paul's church planting efforts, he always had a team with him. When he says, we've concluded that God has called us to go to Macedonia and preach the gospel, well, who's the us? You read Acts, it's typically a combo of Barnabas and, and Paul and Silas and, and Timothy and Luke. Luke is there. Look at Acts 13 up here on the screen. I pray that we become like the church at Antioch. Now, they're at the church at Antioch, prophets and, and teachers. What kind of guys? Barnabas. I mean, this is like a all-star team. Simeon is called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, Manian, a lifelong friend of Herod the Tetrarch, and Saul, who we know to be Paul. Look what happens. And while they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. Then after fasting and praying, they laid their hands on them and sent them off. There's the connection again. Did you see it? Worship and then sending. What are they doing? They're worshiping the Lord. It says they're worshiping the Lord. They're worshiping Jesus. And they're fasting. And then the Holy Spirit says, set those two guys apart. Go. Just like on the Mount, Great Commission, they're worshiping. Jesus says, go. In Acts 1, they're praying in the room, praying to Jesus. Holy Spirit descends. Pentecost occurs. 3,000 saved. Worship, mission, they push us out. So yes, Paul planted the church at Philippi, but who sent Paul? The church at Antioch sent Paul. Churches plant churches. The church at Antioch, they planted the church at Philippi. And the church at Antioch, they sent out Paul and Barnabas. Those are like two guys that you go, man, I wish we could keep these guys. They are studs. They're great preachers. They're great encouragers. Barnabas, that's his gift. You find a guy that has a spiritual gift of encouragement, you want to keep him around. But no, I say go. Redeemer Church is planting King's Church, Conroe. And I would love to keep Richard around. Man, I wish he could stay. But our, he would stay if our mission was Redeemer Church. But our mission's the Great Commission. It's the name of Jesus. And if we hoard our people and hold people down and don't empower leaders, even our best leaders, we aren't joining the spirit of Christ to make much of Jesus. Church planting is Jesus' mission. Why? It's what Jesus wants. And all authority in heaven and earth has been given to him. Why plant churches? Because making much of Jesus leads us to church planting. 
Church planting exists because worship does. So maybe you've been hearing all this and you're thinking, that feels kind of irrelevant to me. Okay, sounds good, great, whatever. If you feel just kind of apathetic or indifferent or just kind of, eh, that sounds all right. It might be because your worship of Jesus isn't running on all cylinders. Because worship leads to mission. Making much of Jesus leads to making more and more of Jesus. So maybe you need to ask yourself, how is my devotion to Jesus? Why am I not getting excited about hearing the gospel spread all over the world? Why am I not excited about seeing more disciples made? And why am I not excited about seeing more people come to know Jesus? So how is your desire to making much of him? Who do you say that he is? You go back to that question that Jesus asked Peter. Jesus is asking all of us, who do you say that I am? Maybe your answer to that, that's what you could trace back to your lack of zeal for his name. So what can you do? There's three things you can really do to plant churches. All of us. First one, number one, is give. And I'm not saying this, this is not like the, all right, now I gotta talk about giving time because our giving's not very good. No, you guys are amazing. I wanna encourage you. I'm, I'm so encouraged as one of the elders just at your giving. Every week I get the report like, towards the end of the week, middle of the week, and I just see our giving. I'm like, man, this church is just amazing at giving. So this is not, all right, time to start giving. Let's pass the baskets a couple times. That, that's, that's, that's none of this. It's just an encouragement that if, if you aren't giving, to, to give so you can be a part of the mission of God. You, you are missing out on being a part of God's mission. So every time you give, you are helping fund King's Church, and you can also give directly to Richard. You can contact the office. We can set that up. You can fund him and his church directly. We're also funding other church plants. You can give resources. You, hey, can I, buy, can I buy King's Church something? Can I buy you some commentaries? What do you want? I'll buy you whatever. He'll take them. I give him books all the time. I don't think he would take enough books. You know, just buy him stuff. Give him gift cards. You're helping a church planner and his family plan a church. You can give. Secondly, pray. I know that may seem trite, like you always got to throw in pray. I know. But no, it's, it's real. What's happening in Acts 13? They're worshiping, fasting, and praying. And then mission occurred. So what's the second thing you could do, most practical, is you worship Jesus. You'd be committed to the fame and name of Jesus Christ. And it might be that then the Holy Spirit will begin to stir in your life and you'll feel that impulse go. Maybe, so that's the third one, go. Maybe you really do need to move to Conroe. They already have two families and, and more from other churches going with them to, to Conroe to go plant King's Church. Maybe the Lord's been stirring in your heart that something I'd be interested in, I would, I would like to do, we'll, we'll go. Maybe God's calling you to go and plant a church in England, China, India, France. And don't think, ah, that's, a young, that's a young guy's thing. No. Ah, I'm too old. Wait, no, you're not. You're alive. You, there's still, you still have time to make much of Jesus in powerful ways. Don't give up. What, you're 50, 60? You know, you keep taking your ginkgo below, but you may have like a couple decades left of, <laughs> of being able to make much of Jesus. So go. You're not, you're not too old. You're, you're not ill-equipped. You don't know, like, oh, I don't know enough about how to run staff meetings. I don't know enough about marketing. That's all garbage. All you got to know is make disciples. 
baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teach them to observe all that he's commanded. This is the business of the church. This is what we're called to. So give and pray. Be devoted to Jesus, and then go. And let's see the knowledge of the glory of God fill the earth as the waters covers the seas. Churches don't just happen. They don't just poof into existence. They are planted together. Churches planting churches. So let's join Jesus in building his church. And let's make much of him until he returns. I think God's calling some of you. So let's do it together. Let's pray. If you're serving communion today or band, you guys can come up. Lord, would you be with our church? Would you let us be a church planting church? A church that is truly committed to your name and your fame, not just in words and not just on websites, but in power and in reality. Lord, would you create in us a even more vibrant and a zealous worship of you? And would you begin to even do things like we see in Acts? Would you make it so clear for maybe a family in our church to go, to plant, to go to the nations, to go to Conroe, to go to New England, to go to Canada, to go to Japan? Lord, would you bring this about for your namesake? Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And thine is the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen.